You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Very happy Monday to you all. Plenty to get to ahead on this episode of Locked On Cougars. I am back from vacation. Plenty to catch up on, especially when it comes to conference realignment. We'll also continue our 100 seasons of BYU football countdown. Looking back at 1993, the John Walsh era begins in earnest. We'll catch up on that. We'll also continue our breakdown of everything else going on in BYU sports that we did not get to last week. And it is all brought to you today by our good friends over at the Locked On NBA channel. They will be hosting a live broadcast covering all of the NBA draft this Thursday. Chad Ford, one of the longtime respected voices when it comes to the draft, will be part of that broadcast. John Corrales from Locked On NBA will also be the host of that broadcast. It all begins Thursday at 5.30 p.m. Mountain Time. You can track all of that action on the Locked On NBA YouTube channel that you can subscribe to right now. All right, without further ado, here on a Monday, let's have some fun. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for July 26th, 2021. What's good, everybody? Welcome on into Locked On Cougars. I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on this daily podcast, focused on all things BYU, your resident BYU insider. I also work for the Zone Sports Network as the executive producer of DJ and PK in the morning in Salt Lake City, Utah. Once again, a big thank you for taking the time to join us. It's a blast to be with you guys talking about the Cougars every single day. A reminder for you guys, if you have not done so already, hit the follow button, whichever podcast provider you might be listening in on. That way we can keep you up to speed on everything involving the Cougars Monday through Friday. And a big thank you, by the way, for your guys' messages last week. I was on vacation, as I mentioned multiple times, recorded shows that would go throughout the week and obviously did not catch up on a lot of the big news that happened last week. And nothing bigger than what happened in conference realignment rumors, that being that the University of Texas, as well as the University of Oklahoma, have announced their intentions to not renew their grant of rights with the Big 12, all but assuring that they will shop their options elsewhere and most likely go to a new conference, particularly the Southeastern Conference, or as you might know it, the SEC. Now, this is a very interesting move that I think a lot of people are upset about, and the official news coming this morning of the official announcement from both universities that they would not renew that grant of rights is the first domino, and will be multiple dominoes when it comes to conference realignment. I had a few of you reach out and say, Jake, well, how does this affect BYU? Dallin Smith among them and Dallin, thanks for being a good friend and reaching out saying, well, Jake, what have you heard about BYU in this regard? To be honest with you right now, I've not heard a lot of concrete information involving BYU, but there are many, many more dominoes to fall. If the University of Texas at Austin and the University of Oklahoma do go to the SEC, as has been rumored slash reported, first broken by the Houston Chronicle, well, that means that the SEC is going to be a 16-team power league, and that's going to be absolutely nuts because they will have the vast majority of the true power players in the sport 
playing in that conference. There'll be eight teams left over in what is left of the Big 12, what I'm terming the Big 12 light. I know some other people have used that term on social media. Well, that is probably the most likely place that BYU would enter the conversation is once those eight teams have to decide what they're going to do, they're going to band together, try and add teams. Let's say Houston, Cincinnati, Memphis, BYU, Colorado State. There's a myriad of different options out there to try and uh, reform the Big 12, or do they try and shop their wares themselves to other conferences and create other power conferences? Like I mentioned, there are multiple dominoes still to fall. The first official one falling today with the University of Texas, the Longhorns, as well as the University of Oklahoma, the Sooners, announcing their intention to not renew their grant of rights agreement with the Big 12. And according to reports, they're more than happy to sit out the next four years through 2025 before ultimately departing for whichever conference, most likely the SEC, that they choose to go to. Does this mean that they're they're at a point where they will never return to the Big 12? There's no chance they're returning? No, they could always return. I'm sure the Big 12 would just breathe breathe a huge sigh of relief that they are still going to be a conference. But at the same time, there are fan bases, fans of both those universities alone who would be irate that they have backed out of another potential move to another conference after multiple rumors of that. So what do I expect for BYU? I expect BYU to be involved. I absolutely believe they will listen to any and all overtures and make the best decision for themselves. But for the time being, and this is just me speaking as Jake Hatch, a guy who is a keen observer of BYU, a guy who talks to people on the inside on a fairly regular basis. Everything I think about what BYU has to gain from all of this is that they actually are in a fairly advantageous spot. BYU, let's look at the facts real quick. The fact is that BYU is making more money as an independent right now than they ever have previous to going independent a decade ago. Obviously, BYU a decade ago would have loved to have gotten into a Power 5 conference, whether that's the Pac-12 or the Big 12. There's no doubt they would have loved to have been a part of the Power 5. To this day, I still believe BYU would be more than happy to join a Power 5 conference, and they would be open to still doing so. This is just me speaking. I have not heard anything to the contrary from people, but I do believe they would be open to joining the Power 5. Now, if it's the Big 12 with just the eight teams remaining, and essentially the best team in the Big 12 of the eight remaining, if Texas and Oklahoma take off, is what? Oklahoma State? are you really looking to sign up for that right away i i I don't know that i am honestly if i'm byu i'm probably sitting there thinking okay what are our other options byu can afford to sit back and allow other dominoes to fall they don't have to go out and be the first team knocking down the door of the big 12 or whatever other league it might be. I know the Pac-12, there's some people who are saying that, well, the Pac-12 may be forced to take BYU at this point. I honestly don't believe the Pac-12 will ever take BYU under any circumstance. And it may come down simply to the fact that the the Pac-12 will not admit a religious university. And that probably should also make sure that Baylor and TCU don't make it into that conference. But everything's negotiable, folks. We all know this. So... I just look at this and I think that BYU needs to sit back, let the other chips fall. They need to find out first off what Oklahoma and the University of Texas Texas at Austin are going to do first off. If they decide to announce that they are going to the SEC, the SEC votes to make an official invite to those two universities to come in to the SEC. Then you have to, as a BYU administrator, a BYU um 
president, in the case of Kevin Worthen, the university president himself, they now, they then, excuse me, that that they now, they probably are now obviously looking at things, but they then would have to look at, okay, what are the options available to us? Is the Big 12 going to remain a conference or are they going to fall apart here with multiple teams departing from multiple conferences? Let's say Iowa State to the Big 10. Let's say West Virginia to the ACC. There's a myriad of them out there. Are you going to sit back and are you just going to say, okay, what is the best option for us? And in certain circumstances, based on what I see, staying independent might be the best option for BYU. There are many other circumstances that becoming a member of the Big 12 or whatever other league might come along is in the best interest of BYU. But ultimately, I think the best case for BYU right now is that they get invited to a Power 5 conference where they make more money than they're making right now. Whether it's the Big 12 reformed under a new circumstance with the eight remaining teams and maybe two to four new teams, including BYU, that may work out. But you obviously have to look at the financial aspect in this mainly like the financial aspect absolutely is what's pushing OU and UT to uh, the SEC. They see the paydays that are coming for the Southeastern Conference. They want to take advantage of that. BYU, they'd be dumb not to listen to the overtures, but for the time being, BYU fans, sit back, let the chips uh, fall where they may, and then I think BYU will finally start to be more of a factor in this. But we've just seen the first domino fall, and that is the grant of rights agreement between the University of Texas at Austin and the University of Oklahoma has not been renewed, and that for all intents and purposes, signals that both universities intend to leave the conference they were founding members of and pursue other opportunities. It looks like the SEC, the ultimate destination for them. So, of course, we'll continue to track this as we roll along. There's a lot still to play out. And, of course, we'll bring you anything else that I hear on BYU or anything else in the news that involves BYU along the way. All right, coming up next, though, we're going to continue our look back at BYU football history. Our 100 seasons of BYU football camp down continues with 1993 the John Walsh era begins in earnest with high expectations and a really bumpy season we'll talk about all of that here in just a moment today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends over at Built Bar guys I absolutely love Built Bars. I had a family member who I was on vacation with last week and said, okay, I've heard you talk about Built Bars. How good are they really? Well, luckily for them, I had some Built Bars in my bag. I pulled them out and said, hey, give this one a shot. It was actually one of the Grasshopper Cookie flavors, one of my favorites. And they actually were quite impressed by how good they tasted. They said, for a protein bar, this is absolutely incredible. I told them, I'm telling you, I am a huge fan of these protein bars. It's nothing, I'm not making this up. I love Built Bars. And I believe people who will give them an honest try I think you'll like them too. 11 delicious flavors available to you guys when you go to built.com right now. You can order a variety pack. You can order your favorite flavors, no matter what it might be. And while you're there at built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order. Yes, yeah, so that's 1-5, 15% off your order using the promo code LOCKED15 at built.com. Take advantage of that option now. Get to built.com, promo code LOCKED15, and get enjoying the best tasting protein bars with Built Bar. All right, my friends, continuing on now with our 100 seasons of BYU football countdown. Let's take a look back at 1993 for the BYU football program. Lavelle Edwards entered his 22nd season in 1993. Crazy to think we've talked about over two decades worth of the Lavelle era, but we are going to continue to break these down as we get you closer and closer to the football season. It's crazy to think as close as it's come. Pac-12 media day taking place tomorrow, but we've just got a lot going on. And 1993 for BYU is 
was a season that opened with a lot of expectation for the Cougars. We finished off in 1992. Cougars playing four quarterbacks that season. Well, John Walsh recovered from the injury he suffered that year and was the guy at quarterback for BYU. Ryan Hancock decided to focus on baseball after that ACL injury late in the 1992 season. Well, it meant that John Walsh was the guy for BYU. And the John Walsh era, many people will finally remember, was one of some pretty high praise. And going into the 1993 season, BYU was highly thought of. They were a top 20 team in the preseason rankings. They opened the season at New Mexico, ranked number 19 in the country, down there in Albuquerque, and won a thriller 34-31. to Followed that up a week later as the number 20 team in the country, hosting their home opener against the University of Hawaii, winning that one once again by three points, 41-38. to And close games are actually going to be a big part of this season for the BYU football program. So then they rose back up to number 19 in the country, went to Colorado State in week three, then uh, won that game 27-22. So BYU feeling pretty good about themselves. They're 3-0 on the season. They're still nationally ranked. Well, they tumbled back down to number 21 as Air Force came to BYU, to, and they won that game 30-3, one of the few blowouts that BYU enjoyed as a team. So they're sitting at 4-0 at the end of September, ranked number 19 as they went to number 25 UCLA on October 9th, playing in the Rose Bowl down there in Pasadena, a top 25 matchup, and one of the biggest routes in BYU football history in terms of BYU receiving on the receiving end of that route, a 68-14 pummeling as the Bruins absolutely clobbered BYU, and there was no rest for the weary when it comes to the Cougars, as the following week they welcomed a number three Notre Dame, yes, the Fighting Irish, once upon a time, folks, were a top five nationally ranked team. They came to Provo and handed BYU a 45 to 20 loss. Well, BYU struggled to get back from those back to back ranked losses as they lost to Fresno State in a thriller 45 to 48 in in Cougarville. That game ended up making BYU 4-3 and three on the year. Oh, and then the following week, they happened to travel to Utah State, playing in Romney Stadium, losing in a heartbreaking fashion, 58-56. to 56. Some of you might recall this game. John Walsh, seemingly at the peak of his powers, despite the loss for BYU. He finished the game 27-44 of 44 for 619 yards and five touchdowns. Also had two interceptions in that game. But those 619 yards, two to this day are still the single most passing yards in a game in BYU football history. Crazy, crazy numbers, but BYU still loses the game late. Uh, BYU uh, was done in. Anthony Calvillo, many of you will recall, played in the CFL for many, many years. He was the star quarterback for the Aggies in this game and dueled John Walsh pretty admirably. He finished with 472 yards, five touchdowns against zero interceptions, and that was a big part of this, but absolutely insane game, but that game dropped BYU to 4-4 four and four on the year after a pretty promising start considering you were 4-0 and nationally ranked. Suddenly at the end of October you're sitting at 500 and that's what BYU would play like the rest of the year. The next week they would go to San Diego State build a pretty decent lead but hold on just absolutely furious rally by the uh, San Diego State Aztecs San Diego State Aztecs if I can get the words out of my mouth correctly. They hold on to win 45-44 to after a late two point conversion by San Diego 
Diego State came up short. BYU gets to 5-4 and four on the year. And then the first of what we call the 34-31 games in 1990s came about as the Utah Utes beat BYU 34-21 in Provo in the Holy War game on November 20th. Obviously a disappointing outcome considering BYU's dominance against the Utes. This actually signaled in 1993 the beginning of Utah very much being a legit competitor, like a let's say an even 50-50 split in some instances, I guess another wrong term to use, but just more of a competitive game, I guess in case of the Utes. Ron McBride, the head coach of the Utes, had really been building to get the Utes competitive in this rivalry, and that victory was absolutely critical for the Utes. So that dropped BYU back down to 500. Then they finished off the year with a home game against UTEP on November 27th, winning that game in one of the few routes of the season that BYU enjoyed, winning 47 to 16. BYU, for all their troubles, going uh, six and five in the regular season, they were six and two in the WAC, tied for the WAC title alongside Fresno State and Wyoming. They did not play the Cowboys during the 1993 season, but with a six and two record, BYU was selected to play in the Holiday Bowl once again, getting a date with number 11 Ohio State down there in Jack Murphy Stadium, and BYU played very very well despite the loss, losing 28 to 21. But when you're unranked going up against the likes of the number 11 ranked Buckeyes to only lose by sevens, pretty a fairly impressive accomplishment, but very much an up and down season for BYU, finishing six and six, one of the few 500 seasons that Lavelle Edwards would endure as the head coach of the BYU football program. We'll talk about some more of those as we get late into his tenure. It would probably be what, 1993 today, so it'll probably be the early part of next week when we talk about some of those other seasons that were closer to 500 for Lavelle as he got towards the end of his tenure as the head coach of the Cougars. But nonetheless, up and down season, but 1994 beckons, and we'll talk about how things played out for the Cougars in that year, in 1994, on tomorrow's podcast. Just some notes for you guys in terms of overall standouts on the season. John Walsh, as I mentioned, was the guy at quarterback. He finished the year with 3,727 yards, 28 touchdowns against 15 interceptions. Kalen Hall rushed for 567 yards and nine touchdowns. Jamal Willis added 404 yards and six touchdowns. They were a nice one-two punch in the rushing game for BYU. And in the receiving department, uh, Eric Drage, 867 yards and five touchdowns as he finishes out his BYU career. Bryce Doman had 455 yards. And Micah Matsuzaki, 500 yards in his own right. Nice even number for him. Uh, Doman finishing with seven touchdowns, by the way, leading the team in overall touchdowns accounted for in the receiving department but one of those seasons man that you just look at and say okay what could have been for BYU had things played out a little bit differently but nonetheless you just look at and say okay well obviously they would have liked to have a few of those games back some of those narrow losses you win a couple of those and you're looking at a very different season than just six and six overall in 1993 all right coming up here in just a moment though we'll catch up on all the other news involving BYU did not touch on last week while I was on vacation plenty to cover in that regard we'll get to all of it in just a few moments. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by our good friends over at Bet Online. It is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. The Olympics ongoing right now. If you want to bet on Team USA or you have a sport that you love to bet on, well, you can do that by getting to betonline.ag. You can do it on your mobile device or on your computer. A really simple way to get in on the action, quite literally, is you put money skittles, as it were, on the line. Obviously, all the other sports available to you guys, college football. 
Cleveland NFL upcoming. You can bet on futures odds on that. Major League Baseball day-to-day. Obviously, games ongoing there. You can bet on all of it and do it with our friends at Bet Online. And they are still offering all of our listeners a 50% welcome bonus. When you go to betonline.ag and sign up, make sure you put in promo code LOCKEDON when you make your first deposit. You'll get 50% of whatever you deposit the first time added as free money to bet with. Think of it as funny money that you can have some fun with and not have to risk a thing if you don't want to bet the money you already put in. It's 50% of whatever you deposited added in as free money. Take advantage of it now. It's all courtesy of Bet Online as they are your online sportsbook experts. All right, folks, before we go here on this Monday edition of the show, I am back from vacation. Obviously, I pre-recorded the shows for last week and obviously was not able to weigh in on the news of the week involving awards watch list, the Olympics, all that stuff. So let's catch up on some of that news now. But a big thank you, by the way, to all of you who reached out during the week and said, hey, Jake, thanks for filling in the week, even though you're on vacation. Make sure that the podcasts are up there. I got to say to you guys that are listening to this show, it means the world to me. Our numbers have been creeping back up, obviously means football season is getting closer and closer but you guys mean the world to me i think of you guys as a big extended family that uh, man i am proud proud to be the host of this podcast and the fact that you guys trust my judgment my thoughts on stuff it just it means the world to me you guys actually don't mind listening to me blather on for about 30 minutes a day but nonetheless a big thank you for your support so let's run down everything you need to know as a BYU fan if you haven't heard already there are a number of BYU athletes and coaches with BYU connections who are representing BYU at the Tokyo Olympics men's volleyball uh, led by Taylor Sander he is of course one of the star players for the men's volleyball program program Uh, whatever you want to term it he's playing for Team USA Uh, Two other former Cougars, Brendan Sander, the younger brother of uh, Taylor Sander, as well as Provo native uh, Ben Patch, both played for BYU. They were listed as alternates for the squad, but ultimately it will not suit up for Team USA, barring something unforeseen with regards to COVID-19. Josue Dominguez is representing the Dominican Republic in the 100-meter breaststroke and the 200-meter breaststroke. He is, of course, a swimmer for BYU, been a standout for a number of years. He'll be taking part in that. Mike Wall, I forgot to mention, is a two-time national champion with BYU. He serves as an assistant coach for the United States Olympic team, uh, men's Olympic team, in the volleyball side of things. So best of luck to him. Former BYU Women's Rugby All-American Jordan Matias will represent the United States in Sevens Rugby on the women's side of things. She has played for the United States Women's Senior National Team since 2017, including a fourth-place finish in the 2017 Women's Rugby World Cup. Uh, They'll be taking on China on July 28th at 7 o'clock Mountain Time as the U.S. Women's Team gets underway. And then finally, Women's Volleyball National Champion Lucas Slave will be an assistant coach for the United States Women's Volleyball Team. He was an assistant uh, for the U.S. since 2018. Uh, recently became the new head coach of the North Carolina State University Women's Volleyball Program in February of 2020. It was a three-year stint at BYU as an assistant coach before that. So, number of athletes representing BYU on the international stage at the Olympics, and best of luck to all of them as they compete for their respective teams, as well as their respective countries. Uh, Josue Dominguez, uh, chief among them in terms of a different country, uh, swimming for the DR. But a lot of fun. I, I really enjoy the Olympics. It's something that I've always enjoyed i don't necessarily pay attention to these sports at a very as a very i guess deep level throughout the four years in between olympics but nonetheless it's still fun to have them uh, be a part of this also a huge hire in the byu athletic department diljeet taylor named as the women's cross country coach for byu why is this significant many of you probably already saw this news well she is the first uh, coach in some time who is not a member of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints who is the sponsor 
sponsoring institution of Brigham Young University. She's not a member of the faith, but has become a BYU head coach. In the release, BYU said that it's been a tradition not a hard and fast rule that the head coaches of the university sponsored teams have to be a head coach of the LDS faith. But obviously, I think in men's football, men's basketball, it's more of a rule than I would imagine it is for women's cross country. But Diljeet Taylor has proven that she will uphold the standards of BYU. She led them to a national championship on the women's cross country side of things. Absolutely deserving of this position. I'm not going to say that a, a non-member could be a head coach of men's basketball or football at some point for BYU down the road. I'm just saying it's going to be a very, very rare occurrence if it ever happens again. Obviously, we mentioned that Hal Kopp was the only head coach so far in BYU football history who was not a member, but I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but Diljeet Taylor, she absolutely deserves this opportunity. She's been a, a just a welcome addition to the cross country and the women's track and field programs for BYU. And she was the, what, the director of women's track and field and cross country, essentially head coach without having the head coach title, deserves to have that head coach title. There's no doubt about it. Working alongside Ed Eyestone, looking to bring BYU cross country continual uh, national championships, you would hope, obviously. She continues to recruit at a very high level in the track and field side of things. She'll obviously be a part of it. She's been a part of the BYU cross country program since 2016. And I think this is a big, big hire for BYU and very, very cool all the same, all at the same time for the Cougars. And then finally for you guys on the football front of things, uh, Cade Fennigan has announced that he is committed to BYU as a transfer from Boise State announcing he received a scholarship. I don't know how BYU is going to balance scholarships this year, folks. We'll try and find out more about that. That. It really seems like to me they're way over the 85 scholarship limit, but what do I know? So Cade Finnegan joining BYU and also Nick Billups uh, out of San Clemente and obviously the transfer from the University of Utah will be walking on with BYU. Everything here about Billups is he will give it a shot at quarterback for BYU, but do not be surprised to see him end up at a different position in Provo. Something the Utah tried to do, but he wanted to give the quarterback thing another shot. BYU giving him that shot, but I ultimately believe that he will end up playing another position for BYU. Could I be wrong about that? Absolutely. Have I been wrong before? Absolutely. But everything I hear is that Billups is doing a, doing what he wants to do in terms of giving quarterback a shot. Will they ultimately work out to his liking? Who's to say? But two new quarterbacks added to the BYU football program officially as transfers. Cade Fennigan coming in. His father obviously played for the BYU football program back in the 1990s. He joins as a quarterback at, from Boise State as a transfer. Funny enough that he played against BYU in that Boise State game last year and is on the receiving end of a pretty big butt kicking. But nonetheless, he'll be a part of the Cougars, as will Nick Phillips for the football side of things at quarterback. And also on the football side of things, congratulations to a number of BYU Cougars who have been named uh, to award watch list. It's watch list season alongside talking season. The Mackey Award, which goes to be goes to the best tight end in the country, has Isaac Rex on their award watch list. Uh, James Empey, named to the Remington Award watch list, goes to the best center in college football. Uh, Gunnar Romney, named to the 2021 Blitnikoff Award watch list, best receiver in the country. Uh, there is just a myriad of these folks. It's just kind of funny to see how things go. Tyler Algier, named to the Doak Walker Award preseason candidate list. 
uh, AFCA recognizing James Empey as a good works team candidate. So a number of things out there. And also today, just coming out, Peyton Wilgar, he was named to the Buckkiss Award, if I'm not mistaken, as a candidate for that award on that watch. Those are the 51 players. Yeah, 51 players named to that award watch list. Peyton Wilgar among them. So best of luck to all these players. May they make a run at it. I would expect we'll continue to talk about award watch list season in the coming days because there's still plenty to come out, obviously. All right, that's going to do it. A big thank you once again for all your support. We'll get back to our position previews tomorrow. Today was just a very busy day with everything else going on, so I didn't have a chance to do a position preview today. But on a Tuesday edition, we'll get back to those and obviously continue those throughout the week as we get ready for fall camp. Next week, folks, we are getting so close. Fall camp is going to be here before you know it, so stay with us every single day as we get you closer and closer to it and obviously closer and closer to the season upcoming. But crazy enough, is just over a month away. Man, coming fast, but looking forward to it all the same. Follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Locked On Cougars. Make sure you join us every day by hitting that follow button in your podcast provider of choice. And in the meantime, if you want to reach out, please email us. LockedOnBYU at gmail.com is the email address. All right, that'll do it. A big thank you once again for your support. We'll talk to you guys again soon. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast for July 26, 2021, and we will talk to you guys tomorrow. Thank you.